Welcome to Watershed's March podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove, cinema curator here at Watershed. This month I'm joined by Sven de Hunt, who is a film programmer, writer, blogger. Sven, you've put together a weekend of South Korean cinema coming up at the beginning of March. How, how did that idea come about? Um, I think that South Korean cinema, or South Korea in general, is probably one of the most interesting film-producing countries in the world right now. And I think it has been for, I think, the last 15 years. Um, I've been a fan ever since, as, as like a young whippersnapper. I watched the old boy in the cinema, at my local art house cinema. Um, I think, yeah, at the age of 15. Mm. And from when I, when I watched Old Boy in 2004, I knew that South Korean cinema was offering something that you don't really find in, in American cinema or even European cinema. Mm. Um, I think South Koreans, in, in their cinematic language, they offer a style that's distinctively different mm. and audacious. And also in their narrative, I find, yeah. uh, I find them taking really interesting risks. They they are quite unique, aren't they? I mean, they really do. You mentioned the Park Chan Wook film Old Boy, which got a big international uh, release and did very well um, in the UK. Really raised uh, sort of awareness, I guess, of, of yeah, South Korean so cinema. South Korean cinema. It's not really a new thing. It's been around since like the nineteen forties, nineteen fifties. South Koreans have been making films, but I think only. Um, in like the mid 90s late 90s it was only then that the west started to pay attention um the local the local film industry wasn't really doing well and the south korean films weren't performing well at the box office so you had a new generation of young filmmakers mm-hmm. and they were looking looking at what was happening in western cinema mm-hmm. and they sort of picked up on their sensibilities and they sort of invented a new cinematic language mm-hmm. And that sort of opened the floodgates for like a whole new generation of filmmakers. Um, we touched upon Park Chan-wook, who did Old Boy, but then you also had filmmakers like Bong Joon-ho, who did um, Memories of Murder and Mother, um, Lee Chang-dong, who is also um, quite a well-known name, who did mm. films such as Oasis and Secret Sunshine. And Kim, Kim Kiduk as well, people um, may well know through a very un-Kim Kiduk film, which was um, spring, summer, winter, autumn, spring, summer, autumn, winter, spring again. Yeah, Kim um, Kiduk was one of those names that had a lot of his films playing at European film festivals. Mm. And I think those European film festivals played quite an important role in the discovery of South Korean films. Mm. Um, Old Boy premiered in, um, at the Cannes Film Festival. I think uh, Kim Ki-duk's um, Three Iron, or Bin Yip, as it was called mm. uh, international markets, I think that played in, in Venice and picked up an award there as well. Mm. And because of those big, bigger film festivals, it's only because of that that um, mm. South Korean cinema got so much traction in the West. And you, you mentioned the, the historical um, element. Of course, there was, and still um, is, a kind of thorny relationship with the government. Um, there was quite a bit of censorship in the early days, and film was really used as a, a bit of a propaganda tool to promote a kind of way of life, wasn't it? In South yeah, Korea? And, it, and it still is, and every time, well, in most of South Korean cinemas, like South Korean filmmakers, they will show like the government, or they will show the police, who is incapable of doing their job. Of course they're doing that in a like really subtle, subdued manner, mm. but that social critique is something that is quite... Um, essential for, mm. for uh, South Korean cinema. But it's, but it's not social realism, it's not I, Daniel Blake, is it? It is not, no, it's a world, apart, like a world uh, different from uh, I, Daniel Blake. Because um, they, they, they're sort of taking 
genres that they know or that are known in the West, but they turn it into something that is really, really personal. And this is the thing, is it, it is a very, um, certainly the films that you've got coming up, which we'll talk about in a second, but it is a very genre-based uh, film culture, isn't it? It is, but they don't really follow the tropes of those genres. They mm. take those genres only to completely subvert them and turn them on their head mm. uh, and do something that is completely different. But I think it's also unfair just to think like, oh yeah, that is a, an action film or that is a revenge film. I think they touch upon those themes, but they're always doing a lot more. Like there's always this sort of social commentary mm. um, or they're commenting on like mm. the more... Um, the deeper aspect of revenge and sin and, and all those things. Mm. Uh, so tell us about some of the films that you've got as part of the weekend. Yeah, I'm really happy um, to show the film The Handmaiden, which is the film that is going to kick off um, this South Korean film weekend. Um, and this is the newest film by old boy director Park Chan-wook. Um, and it's a very lavish and luscious uh, erotic thriller um, set in 1920s uh, colonial Korea. Um, it's actually based on a British novel by um, Sarah, Sarah Waters called mm. Fingersmith. Um, Sarah Waters, yeah, she did. Mm. Uh, she wrote uh, Tipping the Velvet first. Mm. Um, and it, it is a beautiful film. Um, and although it's based on a Western book, um, Park Chan-wook makes it a really distinctively South Korean mm. film. And he really infuses that, mm. that film with his mm. own sensibilities. In a way, you just couldn't imagine that. Being, being made in any other country in that way. Um, it's such a, as you say, it's, it brings such a kind of distinctive style to it. Yeah, but I, I don't know how big of a fan that South Korea was of that film, because mm. it was a film that played at a, at a um, Cannes Film Festival, mm. but South Korea wasn't paying that much attention to it, um, mm. and it's only because he's such a revered auteur mm. um, that that film got sort mm. of like a cult following, but mm. that is more in the West. Mm. And what about um, Train to Busan, which has already uh, screened in the UK? Um, was that a successful film in, in yeah, South Korea? Yeah, that was a, a success because um, it, it has all the elements of typical blockbuster. It has action, it has uh, zombies. So it touched upon a couple of different genres. But once again, the social commentary and ha um, is really present because um, it is a film about a government who doesn't really know how to deal with a situation. Um, mm. But in this case, it's uh, a zombie outbreak on a train in, in Seoul, mm. um, which is quite interesting. And, and we have a preview of the prequel to Train to Busan. Yeah, because the director um, who directed Train to Busan, Train to Busan is his first feature uh, feature film, because he's mostly known as an animation director, so he's mostly done animation films. Um, so after Train to Busan, he decided to make some sort of like a prequel in, in animation. And um, other uh, preview is a very different um, style of um, film from Train to Busan. It's um, Jim Ji Woon's The Age of Shadow. Yeah, just like The Handmaid, it's quite a coincidence. Both films are set in 1920s uh, Korea that is um, occupied by the Japanese colonial forces. Um, and this is sort of like a cat and mouse thriller um, that borrows elements from Hitchcock and John le Carré, but also with a really distinctive, uh, distinct uh, South Korean, Korean flavour. Mm. Um, I watched this film at the Toronto Film Festival um, where, and I absolutely loved it. Mm. I've been following this director for quite some time now because um, I think he has a very dazzling, outspoken mm. style. It's quite old-fashioned, isn't it, in terms of... Um 
you know, being about that sort of period, uh, the 30s and the sort of spy, it's like a kind of, in a way, John le Carre almost. It is, it is John le Carre, but as, as it used the word, like, it is dazzling. There's a set mm. piece at the beginning or in the middle of it, and it's like a 30-minute set piece on a train. Mm. Uh, and I think that, that scene is one of the most visually arresting scenes that I've seen in a long time. And then uh, there's The Wailing, which again is a film that's, uh, that, that people might already have seen because it's been, a, it's been released, but it's certainly a, a, another, another approach to genre um, and a very powerful, actually, film. Yeah, at the end of the 2000s, there, there was a thing called like the J-horror, a lot of Japanese horror, like, and you had films like Ringu and The Grudge. But then the Kore- Korean cinema, they sort of provided their own answer to that genre called K-horror, which is Kore- their Korean take on horror films. Um, we had a film, um, The Tale of Two Sisters, um, which is more subdued. It's not mm. the really, really scary horror films. And I think The Wailing fits in that genre. Um, it's paranormal, uh, about supernatural forces. But once again, it is about a police inspector who's not really good at his job. Mm. So you have a lot of different elements mm. that are at play. And. You know, something that's happened uh, um, with this um, amazing resurgence in South Korean cinema, as you said, over the past couple of decades, is America has been buying the uh, remake rights. And, of course, you mentioned Old Boy and Spike Lee uh, remade Old Boy. I mean, some of these films have been bought, uh, the remake uh, rights have been bought, haven't they? Yeah, I know the Ridley Scott's company, Scott Free Productions, just recently bought the rights for The Wailing. But, yeah, Ridley Scott always has, like, 20 projects on his slate, mm. so that might be possible that we're never going to see that. Mm. But another way how the West is treating South Korea is just by hiring these South Korean directors. Mm. Um, a couple of years ago, Park Chan-wook went to Hollywood without really speaking the English language, mm. and he made Stoker, which was uh, sort of his mm. take on uh, Alfred Hitchcock's uh, Shadow of a Doubt. Mm. Um, but he didn't really have to compromise. He made a Park Chan-wook mm. film, which was just in English. Um, but I'm really grateful to see that he didn't stay there. He just came, went back to Korea uh, to make um, his own South Korean films. Mm. Um, also, Kim Chi-Boon, um, the director of The Age of Shadows, he went to Hollywood as well a couple of years ago. And he, dated, he made a film called The Last Stand, which mm. was uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's um, mm. return um, to, to cinema. Um, and that film was less successful. I think here you, f- you saw a director that was really compromised by a big studio um, and thank God he got out of the system and he went back to Korea and then he delivered The Age of Shadows, which is maybe the best film from his career. So, I mean, what we've got is, um, you know, films which are um, genre-based, but which either, um, you know, as you say, offer um, historical reflections or reflections on um, South Korea's historical uh, relationship with Japan the occupation and and you know some politics and then contemporary um, films which are using the genre to have um, a wry look at the relationship with contemporary uh, bureaucracies and, and government. But of course we can't talk about South Korea without referencing their neighbour uh, North Korea. And you know one of the the films that you're screening is um, the documentary The Lovers and the Despot. Yeah, which is a truly remarkable story. Um, this documentary tells the story of Kim Jong-il um, in the 1960s. He kidnapped this uh, South Korean couple. Um, it was this really famous South Korean director and his mm. wife. And although they were divorced, Kim Jong-il 
kidnapped him. Mm. And he, so this is, he was the dear leader of North Korea. He was the leader of Korea. Who, who was obsessed by, um, apparently obsessed by cinema and by film. Well, yeah, by South, Kore- South Korean cinema, because he saw so many interesting things happening. Mm. And he kept saying, why is this not happening in our country? Why don't we have the resources and, and, the, and the power to make those films? And instead of creating or educating his people, he just kidnapped South Korean filmmakers. Um, and then they, he sort of brainwashed them to make North Korean films that were um, sort of like a cheap knockoff of the South Korean cinema. Um, it, it, it's a very fascinating story, and I, th- I think the time was right for a really interesting documentary about that story. So, so the weekend's coming up, as I said, 3rd to the 5th of March. It's also a couple of the previews. Um, there's, uh, the films will be opening later in the month. The Age of Shadows opens on the 24th of March. And The Handmaiden opens on the 14th of April. Thanks very much, Sven. Thank you, Mark. Uh, That's all for this month.